That's a better way to live life. Mm-hmm. I, I lived so. life in fear with a lot of Googling. I am the g- fucking Google master. Google meister. I- <laughs> <laughs> meister. God damn! I will Google anything. You want to know something? I'll fucking Google it right now. I have a random thought and I need to know the goddamn answer. I'll Google it. You know what I learned today? That fucking sea turtles can't put their heads back into their shell. I couldn't look at you any seriously anymore. <laughs> Why can't they put their heads back into their shells? I don't know, but I didn't know that this was a thing. I thought all turtles could put their heads back into their shells. Or like retreat, like, mm, I live here. Yeah. Not fucking sea turtles. They just have shells. And huh. they just swim outside of them. With their heads and their little legs. Can they put their arms in? I I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't put their arms in because their fins are big. They don't go in. That's interesting. They just live like this. Like, I'm a fucking turtle. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing turtle hands. (laughs) I was going to say, right when I'm at home, just doing turtle hands. It's like a penguin hands, but up higher. (laughs) Okay, I have to be honest, though. I didn't learn that from Google. I learned that because I was on Reddit, and there was this video of this guy popping barnacles off this sea turtle. Yeah. And... I was like, why? Well, did he hurt the sea turtle? Did he like the barnacles? I have so many questions. Yeah, what if he was using them as armor? Yeah, or like as camouflage or something. Yeah. And I guess they do to a certain point, but then they eventually, the barnacles like kill the turtle because they like suffocate it or oh. block it from fucking being able to like get shit, move its arm or something, you know? All right, yeah. So in the end, I'm happy about that. But then I was like, when he was popping the fucking barnacles off the turtle, the turtle wasn't like sticking its head back in or anything. It was just like, ah! <laughs> this is how the journal makes it. Did it make noise? No. Well, I actually don't know because I'm one of those people that watch videos with no sound and I I'm mad too. when it doesn't have a subtitle. Yeah, I <laughs> do that too. I could just watch the video. But no, it was just kind of like wiggling around and then he let him go and he was like, yay, and all happy. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I went scuba diving the one and only time I went scuba diving. I went scuba diving with sea turtles. Do you know how fucking big they are? Yeah, they're huge. And by I went scuba diving with sea turtles, I mean I went scuba diving and then there was a sea turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Not like... <laughs> it wasn't like intentional that it was there. <laughs> hey, sea turtle. Want to yeah. be at six? <laughs> yeah. Everyone that was there was like, oh my God, look. But like, you know, saying it with bubbles, like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they're pointing at it and stuff like, isn't it magical? And I was terrified fucking terrified <laughs> they're huge they're so big that shit was as big as me but I like know. like wider too obviously <laughs> <laughs> it's just a skinny sc turtle <laughs> and it went he said you can't touch it they can touch you but yeah. you can't touch it and yeah. i was like okay like i have no desire to touch a sea turtle, touch right? shit. yeah i can that hop on and ride it fucking sea flew at me <laughs> like that i was sea flu i was going in the air i don't know four dimensions man i was terrified like i almost shit my pants my wetsuit and i like flipped over to where i was like on my back trying to get away from it and it was over me and it just went fucking over me i was like oh i'm gonna die i realized that sea turtles are not dangerous he's like this fucker's afraid of me i'm gonna go right at her yeah and i yeah it goes at me the one person who's not like this is magical (laughs) he sea charged your ass yeah he did i guess we should get our goddams out of the way because i'm like coughing and i sound all gross okay so is that your goddamn my goddamn is that i'm fucking sick man Oh, it's that one day in my goddamn death house. I knew it. I said that if I get sick, it's because of you and your (laughs) fucking patient zero. And here we are a week goddamn later. Enough time for fucking incubation to happen. (laughs) And here I am sick as fuck. You're welcome. (laughs) 
So everybody, if I sound fucking nasally as hell and if I start hacking in a corner and Erin tries to edit the cough out as best she can, <laughs> please bear with us. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, you only sound a little off. Yeah. It's not awful. Yeah. But in my also. head, it sounds like I'm underwater. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. At least you don't have pneumonia. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah. I'd like to not get that, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aaron, what's your goddamn? Did you forget it? God damn it. <laughs> we have it every week. We have this thing that we do every fucking week. <laughs> and you know what you're supposed to do. I know. <laughs> and I just had it. Oh, God. I had two even. <laughs> Again? Yes. Every fucking every time. Every goddamn time. Every time. You know, I'm just going to go with the one that was kind of a cop out because I don't remember. That's the only one you can remember? One. Yeah. Give me your cop out, goddamn. Is I gave Hank beans again. <laughs> Motherfuck. Can you stop? No. He's, he's not in here right now, though, right? No, he's not. I let him out. You're oh welcome. Oh, my gosh. But he's that was so bad. He just loves him so much, you know? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> just give the dog dog food, man. <laughs> he has that, too. <laughs> and Those cat food. So the little fucker. That's why when we were standing down, you were getting a cup of coffee, and I was like, it smells like someone's shit in my mouth. Like, <laughs> what just happened? But Carl was next to me, not Hank. Did Carl get any? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But also Hank's shit like wafts through the house, so there's that. His are just sharp. They they get you. It was bad. Yeah, they get you right in the it's nose like holes. It's like dog shit that's been sitting in the hot sun in a fucking plastic bag for three years. Yeah, but like if someone were to take the air from that and capture it and then just shoot it into your nose. And then like <laughs> waft it your direction like. <laughs> yeah, but like with a with a billower thing like yeah, a fireplace billower billower yeah billow it i don't know what they're called but just right into your nose like, i think it's i think a billower well stop fucking giving him beans god damn it brandon made enchiladas oh god damn that sounds mm. it was and then he had some leftover meat and enchilada sauce or whatever and then he mixed it all together and we make tacos with it now mm. is mm. mom well, welcome to episode 18 of I Said God Damn. I Said God Damn. Woo! I'm Stacy. And I'm Erin. And we're here to tell you some fucked up shit. About murder. Stacy, you want to tell me your story? Hell yeah. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> I'm so ready. Okay, let's do this shit. Tell me your story. Okay, so my story is about Arliss Perry, which I'm a thousand percent sure I'm saying her name wrong. But I even fucking Google pronounced that shit and they said Arliss. 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 <laughs> Maybe it's Arliss. Arliss. I think that would have an E at the end. It's probably yeah. Arliss. Yeah, it's just Arliss. So if anybody knows how to say A-R-L-I-S <laughs> and I'm saying it terribly wrong. Go ahead and send us a voice message. <laughs> <laughs> and then can we uh, keep you on tap for future names? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on call. <laughs> Send along your message. We'll be texting you occasionally. <laughs> we need that. That needs to be a thing. Yeah. Okay, so this happened in Palo Alto, California. All right. In the summer of 1974, Bruce and 19-year-old Arliss Perry, they were longtime boyfriend and girlfriend. They decided to get married. Long time. Yeah, so her name wasn't Arliss Perry before. But now it is because she gets married. <laughs> okay. That's how marriage works. Work that out. <laughs> if you so choose to take his They weren't name. brother and sister and then. <laughs> yeah. They didn't just happen to have the same last name. <laughs> oh, how convenient. You don't even have to change it. <laughs> that happened with my aunt. Really? Yeah. Well, it's pretty common. One time I dated a boy named Aaron. Oh, God damn it. That's confusing. It was real bad. Did you have to say his name like Aaron? <laughs> Aaron. Hello, Aaron. My brother was like, you know how I know it wasn't going to work out? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so they get married and then they move into an apartment together. Bruce was attending Stanford University for med school, so he was like super smart. Damn, yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Big man on campus over here. And Arliss worked as a receptionist at a local law firm. So All right. they were doing pretty good for themselves. I guess. Bruce was described as very smart bookworm-like, and he was very athletic and, like, you know, a likable guy. All right. And Arliss was described as very conservative and religious, but very outgoing and kind as well. So the couple, they're a good couple. Yeah. Sound like good people. Yeah. Good people. Bad things happen to good people in our stories. <laughs> Usually, yeah. <laughs> so on October 12th, 1974, about a month after getting married... Arliss decides to go on a walk around the neighborhood. And I guess this is like a normal thing that she would do at the end of the night. Just go for a little stroll. And so Bruce was like, I'm going to join you, my lovely. And she was like, delightful. And so they strolled together. And it's like late at night. Like, I don't know, fucking 11 o'clock at night or something. And they're strolling around. I remember my goddamn. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, Erin just raised her hand. As if we were in a classroom. (laughs) I'm glad that you're like enthralled with my riveting story. I am. I'm very enthralled with your riveting story. But now I need to tell you because if I don't, I'll forget. My kid poked me in the eye while I was open. That was it. (laughs) I was like staring deep into his eyes and I was like, I just love you so much, my child. And we were face to face, you know, forehead to forehead because I like to headbutt him Uh and it's a magical moment. Uh And then he quickly fucking (laughs) poked me in the eye. (laughs) A little asshole. Yeah, that's all. If it makes you feel any better, my son, I was changing him and then did the like, okay, stand up so I can pull your pants up now. And all of a sudden he mm-hmm. decided to fucking jolt up <laughs> and he fucking skull checked my ass. Oh no. But into my mouth. Ow. So like, you know, when you're like one crooked tooth hits your lip and it yeah. like feels like it went through your lip. Mm-hmm. That happened to me right. this morning. <laughs> and now your like lip is bleeding and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I had a fat lip when I went to work. Oh, you poor soul. <laughs> so I can relate. Okay, good. Anyway, go on you with can, your story. <laughs> you can have the busted ass eye and I'll have the busted ass lip. Yeah, it fucking watered for a hot minute. <laughs> like, had to walk away like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sure you just got like the fucking German measles or some shit. These things are just like sacks of germs running around. Oh, for sure. I'm going to have pink eye or something. <laughs> He's like, Mom, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> just took my finger out of my asshole and yeah. here you go. Ugh. Anyway, go on. Okay, so back to Arliss and Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for that interruption. No problem. It was an important one. It needed to be done. Okay, so they go on a walk. Yes. Okay, so they're walking along, and they get into an argument. And their argument was about which person is responsible for airing up the tires in their shared car. (laughs) Oh, how about the person who's like, "Uh uh-oh, the tires are low. (laughs) Fucking shit's low. I mean, that sounds like a fucking couple's argument, if I've ever heard one. For sure. Like, you drove the car last. Well, it's your car. Bitch, it's our car. Well, you're the man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, I could see having that argument. I know. I'm pretty sure I had the exact argument about, like, fucking goddamn dishes or something. (laughs) Oh, man. It was a nothing fight. (laughs) It was the queen of nothing fights. So, as the argument progresses, Arliss asks Bruce to give her some space and, like, let her just cool off for a little bit so it must have been like a real heated nothing argument (laughs) fuck you get out of my face i need a minute i feel it though sometimes they get that way like you just need to back up yeah like i will i'll stab you over this yeah yeah i'm not gonna hit you if you move (laughs) (laughs) but i'm about to so you better move oh man it's gonna be your fault at that point yeah (laughs) why'd you make me hit you (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, seriously, though, domestic violence. Domestic violence is not funny. <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. <laughs> okay, so Arliss is like, give me some space. I need to go for a walk. So Bruce is like, okay, you go do your thing and go cool off. And so it's midnight at this point, or around midnight. God damn. Yeah. I don't know how long the walk was. I don't. I don't know what their fucking routine was, but they left late at night for it to be midnight now. Yeah. Some people live different lives than us, though. Uh, fucking apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not strolling anywhere at midnight. I walked into the post office wearing what I was wearing today, which was like ripped fucking acid wash jeans and a band t-shirt, and this lady was walking out wearing a suit, and all I could think was, we live different lives. (laughs) (laughs) You're nothing like me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we're doing the same thing right now, like going to the post office (laughs) at fucking five at night. It's interesting. Checking my fucking podcast P.O. box. (laughs) (laughs) What are you getting? Mail for your vacation home? (laughs) Get out of here. Okay, so it's midnight. Bruce goes the half a mile walk back to their apartment. Half a mile? Yeah. Yeah, that'll take you like, I mean, walk in like 10 minutes. Yeah, but I guess they like lived on campus or something because I had read somewhere that they were like strolling through the fucking university. I don't know. All right. So, I mean, even though it wasn't physically far away, maybe they, like, zigzagged. Or maybe there was a goddamn trail. I don't fucking know. Half a mile still half a mile, man. Or maybe they just got into the argument right away. Like, oh, it's such a beautiful night. Did you change the fucking... <laughs> Did you check the goddamn tire pressure in the car? Just trying to have a good fucking night. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bring up the tire pressure again. <laughs> okay. So, Bruce goes back to the apartment. And then Arliss goes to a church nearby. And I guess it's a church that she frequented. And it is called the Stanford Memorial Church. All right. And she decides to go to this church to pray. I don't know. This argument must have very much upset her. She was praying for the peace of Jesus to not let her kill him. I don't know what was going on. She was just praying for another day on unaired up tires. (laughs) Please don't let me crash. Let me get to the gas station in the morning. (laughs) So I can air this fucker's car up. Yeah. So this, because this fucker won't do it. (laughs) Okay. So she decides to go pray at like midnight. And when she walks into the church, there's two people there and they notice her come in and she sits down at the front of the church and kneels to pray. And then shortly thereafter, the two people leave. And as they're leaving, they notice that this other guy who's like a young man, he enters the church and he's about 25 years old and he has blonde hair and a short sleeve blue shirt. And one account noted that he did not have a watch. I was like, okay, you don't name things people don't have when you're describing them. (laughs) He wasn't wearing a top hat and monocle. (laughs) He didn't have a beard. (laughs) Uh, Did he have stubble? Was he clean shaven? Yeah. Yeah. What did he have? Yeah. And he wasn't wearing flip flops. (laughs) Fucking great. Tell you what he wasn't doing. (laughs) What else was he doing? (laughs) Narrowed down all the shit he didn't have. (laughs) Maybe we'll figure out what he did have. Oh Why would God. they notice that? That must I have been an old, You said it was an old couple in there? Oh, I don't know how the age of the couple, but it was the 70s, so maybe like everybody had a fucking watch because they didn't have a phone. So oh, like, if you're out this late, true. you better have a watch on your wrist. Yeah, like, do you know what time it is? But oh, I'm... maybe that's what they were thinking. Oh, maybe that's what they said. Like, uh, excuse me, sir, you got the time? Yeah. Do you know what time it is? Oh, it's past midnight. And he's like, I don't fucking know. It's a hair past a freckle. Remember that oh, God damn, saying? I hate that saying. I know, you're welcome. Oh, I want to punch you. You're so lucky you're far away. <laughs> Domestic abuse is not funny. <laughs> this shit isn't domestic. We're not domesticated. All right. That's just assault with your fists. Yeah. Those are deadly weapons. Oh, man. Okay, so a little after midnight, the church security guard, his name was Steve Crawford, he comes in to lock up the church. So this must have been like, I don't know, 10 minutes she was there? A short period of time where they she's They lock up the church? I guess. I know. I thought midnight was late for a church to be open. Yeah. But I guess he can't, he was like a campus security guard. 
And so one of his jobs was to come by and lock the church up at a certain time. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it was at midnight and he was just late. Maybe. Because that would be a, like a normal, I mean, not a normal time, but like, okay, it's closed for today. It'll reopen at 6 a.m. Yeah. I feel like if it's open at midnight, it should just be open all night. I agree. It's like a weird, like a little after midnight. It's a weird time to lock it up. Yeah. Sorry. I just kind of like. Talked through a burp. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I did. I didn't know how I was going to describe that scenario. But yeah. I don't know how to edit that out. So. <laughs> nope. It can stay. Everyone can hear me struggle to talk through a burp. <laughs> Let it out. You know, we just want you to feel yeah. comfortable. Listen, you're with us. It's like you're sitting in the podcasting room. Yeah. You're going to get everything. We're just people. Hank farts and Stacy burps. <laughs> Alrighty, so the security guard comes by, he locks up the church, and he notes that Arliss was not in the church, because no one was in the church, because he fucking locked it up. Alright. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, Crawford, the security guard, he does another check of the church, and he finds that the church doors are still locked. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. Nothing unusual. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I, I read that very suspenseful, and then when I realized what the rest of the sentence was, I just followed through with it anyway. <laughs> Fucking commitment. Per usual. Yep. And then by 3 a.m., Bruce at this point was like really worried that his wife hadn't returned back to the apartment. And he had, before 3 a.m., gone around the neighborhood looking for her and he couldn't find her. Mm -hmm. So he decides to call the police. Good. Yeah, smart on Bruce. Yeah. And the police arrive at the church and they find that all the doors are locked. And they reported that it was unlikely that anyone was inside. Remember, this is the 70s. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have this missing person. She was last seen in this building that is now locked. I'm sure she's not in there. <laughs> There's no way she'd be in there. There's no need to check The this. doors are locked. <laughs> <laughs> How could she be in there? <laughs> so Crawford, the security guard, comes in the morning to open the church per his usual time. Mm -hmm. It's like 5.50 in the morning. So I imagine he's supposed to open it at 6. Mm -hmm. And he finds that one of the doors of the church had been left open. Bum, 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 bum. Doo-doo. Like a jar? A jar. <gasps> like open. Okay. So Crawford walks into the church and through the open door and goes into the church and finds Arliss's body lying face up in the front row of the church where she had last been seen praying. What? Get ready because shit is about to get fucking weird. Okay. Disclaimer, it's fucked up. So she had an ice pick protruding from her skull. Oh, fuck. Which had been lodged in from behind her left ear. What? And she appeared to have also been strangled. This was obviously later. Like, there wasn't anything wrapped around her neck or anything. It's just oh. later they found that she had been strangled. That's so sad. She was naked from the waist down with her pants draped across her lower half, like inverted. Like, if you were to take off your pants and then put, like, the waist at your feet and the legs by your, your sides. Okay. And... It almost made it look like like her figure was to be something like a pentagon or some sort of ritualistic meaning or something. Oh. Yeah, I told you, it's fucking weird. And her shirt had been ripped up, exposing her breasts, and her arms had been crossed across her chest, and they were helping to hold an altar candle, which had been placed in between her breasts. What the fuck? Additionally, the killer had inserted a 30-inch altar candle into her vagina. Oh, no! Why? What? the actual f fuck no is that 30 inches long or like round it can't be round okay. if it was round that's fucking that'd be huge that's <laughs> true i'm glad we're talking this out <laughs> <laughs> but long oh my god oh my that god would, that would poke so many things was it in all the way a no i don't uh. yeah i don't know those details guys i didn't google that shit no not going that deep you don't want to see that mm. Or know it. I don't want to know it. Nope. Oh my god, that's so awful. Yeah, isn't that horrible? Wick side in or out? No idea. 
Was it lit? <laughs> it did not state that it was lit. Questions, you know? Yeah, we need these answers. They're valid questions. Is Everybody's it a asking ritual them. ritual thing? Yeah, that's what they're claiming. It looked like some sort of ritualistic thing. Mm. Satan worshippers? Some shit like that. Although I've heard that's a pretty pleasant religion. Satan worshippers? Yeah. Like they don't actually murder people. They're just like, fuck it. We like Satan better. Yeah, they're like, just there's just less rules. <laughs> <laughs> that is, okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is one reason I would join a religion. <laughs> like, fuck man, this one's easier. <laughs> yeah, it's like be a good person, but also like mm, less rules. You can still gamble and drink and do all that stuff. I don't worship Satan. I don't actually know the logistics of what it is or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying. Interesting. Maybe yeah. they're just like really misunderstood. But maybe this guy was sacrificing people to something, so. Yeah, then maybe that's not the religion we'd like to follow. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Either way, pretty fucked up. Yeah, super fucked up. So the security guard calls the real cops, dig at the security guard. I'm an asshole. Yeah, he calls people who can handle this type of situation. He's like, uh, this is above my fucking pay grade. <laughs> I'm just here to secure the building. And Campus I have done police. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, Sunday Mass was canceled. Aww. I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> like, fucking duh. <laughs> okay, so, the crime scene is processed, and they find semen on a pillow, like a kneeling pillow, nearby. Mm -hmm. As That's well weird. as a handprint, or a partial handprint, was found on the candle. One of the candles. Oh. I don't know which candle. Okay. So, they had some fucking evidence. That's good. So, like I was saying before, it was pretty clear that the crime scene was ritualistic and sadistic in manner or something weird was going on because it wasn't just, like, a quick murder and they were out. Like, she was targeted for some different reason. Like you said, maybe a sacrifice or something weird. Yeah. And obviously, Bruce and the security guard, Crawford, were, like, immediate suspects. Uh-huh. So the police question them and they polygraph Bruce and they find that their DNA doesn't match the evidence or anything and based on their questioning or whatever, they're exonerated. Like, they're not, yeah. they're no longer they're suspects. cleared. Yeah, and, like, again, the 70s DNA, was it, like, just, you're a secretor, you're not a secretor, I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, if if that basic of a thing was enough to clear him anyway, that's good. Yeah, exactly. So, they're cleared, whatever. The other worshippers that were in the church, when they saw Arliss walk in to come pray, they were also questioned, but they weren't deemed suspects or anything. Mm -hmm. What about the guy without the watch? Well, the 25-year-old mystery man in the blue shirt without the watch, he was never identified, so they could never question him. Oh, my God. And so the case ends up going cold. Did they have, like, fucking sketch artists of this guy or anything? I don't know. I didn't see any. Yeah. Like, it was like, uh, can you draw a 25-year-old man <laughs> well, without I mean, a watch? They had, like, <laughs> blonde hair. <laughs> don't put a watch on there. <laughs> Get that fucking watch out of here. Um, this, this is guy. inaccurate. <laughs> this one's wearing a watch. Oh, I saw this man, but he was wearing a watch. <laughs> Not our guy. You know, I know this is only a mug shot, <laughs> but this looks like a man that would wear a watch, and he wasn't wearing a watch. <laughs> Get that fucking smug watch wearing look off his face. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> it looks like a watchman. This, oh, this looks like a watchman. <laughs> that was funnier than it should have been. <laughs> okay, so Arliss's case goes cold, and then four decades go by. Jesus Christ. So what is it? It's been four decades, right? Yeah. 70, 80, 90, 4, 14. <laughs> it's longer than four decades because we're in 20. Hard and lose math. <laughs> Hard and lose math. I was counting them as I was saying random numbers. <laughs> So obviously, in four fucking decades, 40 years, 40 plus years, DNA testing technology 
advances Mm -hmm. into what we have today. And in June of 2018, the police retest the DNA from the crime scene, and the results are conclusive (gasps) enough that they obtain a search warrant for the fucking security guard's apartment. What? That Stephen Crawford guy. (gasps) Yeah. What? Bum, 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 bum. Fucking bum, 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 bum. I guess he was, so eventually, I found this later in my research, but he was resistant to taking a polygraph, and I guess he was running around and saying, like, he didn't like the questioning and things that were going on about the case. Like, he was pretty open that he was uncomfortable with it. Really? So fucking suspicious. And I think that they were always kind of suspicious of him, obviously, because they retest the DNA. Yeah. But they weren't ever able to, like, implicate him of it because they didn't have enough evidence. Oh, my God. So June 21st of 2018, just last year, the police knock on Crawford's door to his apartment, but Crawford doesn't answer because they're like, yo, we got a warrant for your arrest now. Like, yeah, you've done some shit. Your DNA has been linked to this crime scene. Come the fuck with us. Yeah. And I guess weeks leading up to this arrest, the police had brought him in for questioning. So he was aware that he was a person of interest at this time. Can you imagine? 40 years later. Can you fucking imagine to be like, I got away with this shit. And then all of a sudden, 40 years later, the cops are like, come sit down. Why don't you go have a seat? Why don't you come have a seat? Have a cookie. <laughs> it's your There's username. cookies on the counter. I, ha- I just have to finish the laundry. <laughs> Make yourself at home. I made some sweet tea. <laughs> we missed our calling as child actors. Yes, we did. <laughs> like adult actors who pose as children. Yes. Oh, gross. Fucking To Catch a Predator. Right? That was my jam. It was my jam, too. You know it's on again, but like on YouTube, he has a... Oh, really? I'll have to get into that shit. Yeah. Chris Hansen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That man. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so they come to his door. He's not answering. So the police let themselves in because they're like, fuck you. You know what's up. We're the police. We have a warrant. Yeah. Duh. I'm coming in. Yeah. And so when they bust in, they find Crawford sitting on his bed with a fucking gun in his hand. Uh-huh. And when they see the guns, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they like back up and get in cop mode. Like, mm, let me get this fucking gun ready. Because they weren't in cop mode when they broke his fucking door down. I guess not. <laughs> oh, that's like, different mode. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I forgot what we were doing here. Hang I on. I was in battering ram mode. <laughs> <laughs> let me recalibrate. <laughs> okay, so... Then while they're like fucking fumbling around for their guns, I don't actually know if that's what happened, but there was a pause (laughs) in between the time that they found him. Uh And then they heard a gunshot go off (gasps) because Crawford had turned the gun on himself and committed suicide with a single shot to his head. What? Yep. A search of his apartment found a suicide note dated two years prior and a book which recounts Arliss Perry's murder and it was called The Ultimate Evil, An Investigation into a Dangerous Satanic Cult. Jesus Christ. So somebody must have, like, included her murder in a book about, you know, yeah. fucking sacrifices or whatever. And he, like, kept it as, like, a trophy. Ew. Yeah. What did the suicide note say? It didn't say. I'm sure it, it didn't say that he admitted to the murders or anything. Oh, or my God. murder or anything like that. So I'm not clear what the suicide note said, but he was suicidal for a couple years at least. Well, I mean, think about it. You murder someone and then you get away with it technically for 40 years. You live an entire life. Yeah, that's crazy. I haven't even lived 40 years yet. Exactly. So you, I mean, honestly, you you made it and then you might as well just end it on your terms instead of going into prison. Yeah, but he was probably only like seven or 60 something. 
Yeah, but yeah. he's going to end up in prison for the rest of his life. That's probably what he was thinking. Yeah. Why the fuck would you murder someone? But also, what a total piece of shit. Human trash. Yeah. Yep. To not give the family and everything closure. Yeah. Or that admission. Yeah. So the best motive that can be determined is that Crawford was mad at at Stanford University because he had used to be a campus police. He was like higher rank and then they downgraded his status to just security guard and he was really bitter about it. So you kill a random? Yeah. Okay. So wait. So he ran around and he was like stealing shit from the university. He had like printed a diploma for himself off of like a blank Stanford diploma. Even though he had never really graduated. He was like a known liar and lied about his parents dying in a car accident when he was really young, but they didn't actually do that. And everybody that was around him or knew him knew that he was a liar. And he had some like nickname that I can't even remember what it was. Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) Yeah, like fucking known liar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's old known liar. (laughs) And so (laughs) here he comes again, trotting our way. (laughs) So the police are thinking that maybe Arliss's death was like a massive crime that was committed in an attack to make Stanford look bad. Oh. That's the only thing they can come up with. Like it's unsafe and if I had had one more police, campus police. Then I could have kept it safe. And then also it was like some satanic looking fucking weird ass. Like something enough to get, you know, like. Attention. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because wasn't satanic panic a thing where everybody was all concerned? When was that? I want to say it was the 70s. Okay. Well, then probably. There you go. It drew like national coverage or whatever when people are like, this is an epidemic. Jesus. Yeah. Wow, that's fucked up. Yep. God damn. Yep, it's a fucked up one, but at least you know who did it. Yeah, most likely. Nah, he fucking did it. Yeah. Well, his, his, DNA his fucking said. jizz was all over the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Why on a kneeling pillow? Like, I don't want to know. Was he fucking kneeling by it? I don't know. Ugh, I know. I started nasty. to think about it and I got really uncomfortable, so. Because there's a candle inserted in her vagina and there's oh. semen. Yeah. Gross. Yep. I don't like it. Nope. An ice pick, though. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Also, who's just carrying around ice picks? I mean, I imagine in the 70s you needed them more. <laughs> yeah, but he's a security guard. It's not like he's fucking making cocktails. I don't even know where you would purchase an ice pick. Like now? Yeah. Amazon. <laughs> Fun fact, my uncle got stabbed in the eye with an ice pick in prison. <laughs> what the fuck? You have an uncle in prison? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's been there for a long time. I used to be pen pals with him. Who is this? <laughs> my mom's brother. He's out of prison now. Does he have an eye? Have I mm, met him? No. Oh, okay. I've barely met him. <laughs> That's a lie. I like he was around during my childhood, and then he's been in prison forever. And then how recently, does someone get an ice pick in prison? Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was before Amazon that he got stabbed. I think he still has an eye. Just doesn't like it's, work. It's like you know, it's got like the white shit on it. Fun fact, though, we went to a funeral in the family when I was like twenty three 25 somewhere in there and i hadn't seen my uncle since i was like seven and uh my uncle walks up to me and started hitting on me (gasps) he didn't know who i was what yeah and i'm like you're at a fucking family funeral who do you think you're it's all family here who do you think you're gonna run into here (laughs) yeah and they start hitting on me and then he was like oh shit it's you it's stacy oh that's so awkward yeah super awkward yeah well goddamn times two i learned something new about you there's always something new to learn yeah. Okay. So, Stacy, are you prepared for my story? Erin, give it to me. Oh. Give it to me, baby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, my case is about the Keddie Cabin murders. 
Ooh. Ringing any bells? Not so far. Okay. Well, it happened April 11th and 12th, like the night of April 11th slash morning of April 12th uh-huh. in 1981. Okay. So... The Ketty Resort was a place up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. It was up north of Sacramento in California. Uh-huh. Sounds lovely. Yeah. It was like a little mountain town, and they had little cabins. cabins. Yeah, cabins to rent. <laughs> to get murdered in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is about Sue Sharp. She was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, Ooh. where my dad is from. Oh, look at that. Yeah. What up, Dad? Her name was actually Glenna Susan Sharp, but oh. she went by Sue. So she was born in 1945. In 1980, she left her abusive husband and took her five kids up to Northern California. Go to live. Sue. Yeah. She moved across the country with her five kids to be like, fuck this guy, right? Damn. Get it, girl. Yeah. And she went to live with her brother in a trailer for mm-hmm. a little bit until she moved out on her own into the Ketty Resort. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Sounds fancy, right? Resort life. But the resort was kind of on hard times. More like camp. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it looked kind of like camp. Uh But it was like on hard times, so they started renting out their cabins to low-income families. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it really was like sixth grade camp. Legit, yeah. (laughs) It looked like it. In the pictures, you're like, I think I stayed there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She rented cabin 28. Oh, God. I like where this is going. It's spooky. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible to say. <laughs> it is spooky. But this was the type of place that was, like, very different than her previous place. So it was a very slow-paced lifestyle, and nobody locked their doors or anything. Okay. And terrible idea. Always lock your doors. Seriously. Doesn't matter where you are. Pro-life tip. <laughs> <laughs> so staying in cabin 28 was Glenna Susan Sue sharp she was 36 her son john who was 15 her daughter sheila 14 tina 12 her son rick was 10 and her son greg was five jeez that is a lot of people in there yeah a lot of different ages the cabin was only a two-bedroom cabin so sue stayed in one bedroom with tina and sheila her two daughters yeah greg and rick stayed in another bedroom and then her oldest son john stayed in like a basement that had been converted to a room okay the basement was only accessible from the outside and didn't have a bathroom in it so then that's another reason they always left their doors unlocked was they had to leave them unlocked in case he had to go potty in the middle of the night okay were there like did the cabin have a bathroom yeah okay yeah there was a bathroom in the cabin so they'd leave it open for him to get into the main house oh okay so you couldn't access the basement from the house true Okay. Yeah. And the basement door was around back of the cabin. Okay. Got it. On the night of April 11th, Rick and Greg, the two younger kids, had a friend over. His name was Justin Smart, and he was going to stay the night with them. Okay. So during the day, April 11th, at 1.30 p.m., Sue and Sheila drove to pick up John, the oldest boy, and his friend Dana about five miles away from a park. Uh-huh. They went to pick him up, brought him back home, and then a couple hours later, at about 3.30, the boys hitchhiked back to the park. Again, oh, this is a time of not locked doors and hitchhiking. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, dream kids. Oh. Yeah. 
They hitchhiked back to the park where they supposedly had plans to meet up with friends. Goddamn, as a mom, I'd be like, dude, I just brought you back from there. Seriously, like, why did I go get you? You should have stayed. It was only like five miles, which I assume is like five minutes away, right? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. So the boys were seen around town, and a woman claimed to have given them a ride to their friend's house that was up the road. Oh, okay. Hitchhiking people. Jesus, they're just zipping all around the neighborhood. Yeah. The boys were seen at a party that evening. And then Sheila was going to go spend the night at her friend's house. Oh my this- God, there are people everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Sheila is the oldest daughter. Uh-huh. She was going to spend the night at her friend's house, the Seabolts, and they are in just the cabin right next door. Oh, okay. That's easy. Yeah. They're literally, the cabins are like 15 feet away from each other. Yeah. They're so like it's on top of each other. Yeah. Friggin' sixth grade camp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she left her cabin at 8 p.m., Mm-hmm. And she left her mom and her two younger brothers and their friend Justin inside. That was who oh, was who's left. left. Over. Okay. Yeah. Tina, the twelve-year-old girl, was at the Seabolts cabin mm-hmm. already because there was a kid there, obviously that the two girls were friends with. Uh huh. But she wasn't going to stay the night, so she left to go back home at about nine thirty. Okay. I'm sorry. There's so many names and so many times. No, no, no. I'm keeping up with you. Okay. It helps to know who's left in the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is home right now? <laughs> so then Tina goes back home. At some point during the night, the two boys hitchhiked back to their cabin, cabin 28. Uh-huh. But we don't know when it was. Okay. But they end up at home also. Yes. Okay. So then the next morning, Sheila goes back to her cabin at about 7 a.m. on April 12th. She opens the door and sees three bloody bodies. Oh, fuck. She doesn't initially know who they are, Yeah. but sees bad things and then oh runs back to the Seabolts' house. <gasps> this poor little girl. Yeah. The Seabolts didn't have a phone. Of course. So the wife has to go to management or like the hotel management people. Yeah. And have them call 911. Oh my gosh. The husband, James Siebel, went and checked on... Like the rest of the cabin? Well, he didn't check the rest of the cabin. He went to go see like what the fuck was going on. Yeah. The window on cabin 28 that faced their cabin Uh was the little boy's room. Okay. So he went there and saw... The boys were still inside sleeping. Oh, my God. So they opened the window and had the boys come out through the window instead uh-huh. of going through that fucking massacre. Oh, my God. They were alive? Uh-huh. <gasps> oh, my God. I was so scared. All three little boys were alive. Oh, my God. Rick, Greg, and Justin. Now, was Justin that guy's, like, the man helping them out? Was that his son? No. Okay. No, it was it's just another... another random kid. Yeah, but okay. it's another neighbor's son. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's interesting to note that their bedroom door was slightly ajar to the living room where all of the fucking massacre was. Oh, my God. So they could have seen or heard it? They could have seen or heard it. Oh, my God. Those poor little kids. Yeah. Fucking goddamn. Why are people assholes? Yeah. James Seabolt later admitted to briefly entering the cabin through the back door to see if anyone else was alive, but that also could have contaminated some evidence. Okay. So, inside... They found the bodies of Sue, John, and John's friend Dana in the living room. Oh my gosh. Those are the older kids, right? It was the oldest brother and his friend. Okay. And Sue was the mom. So they're like 16? Yeah, 15 and 16. John was 15. Dana was 16. Oh my gosh. That's so young. Yeah. All three of them had been bound with medical tape and electric cords. No! So Tina, the 12-year-old was missing she was missing that's worse yeah oh my god so much worse that's terrifying for the murders there was a knife and a hammer found placed side by side on a table 
and a steak knife was found on the ground. Uh-huh. The steak knife was bent in half due to the force oh, of the attack. No, that's gross. That's fucked up. Oh, that's so gross. Sue was found lying on her side near the couch, naked from the waist down. Oh. There was no evidence that she was raped. Okay. She was gagged with a bandana and her underwear. Oh my gosh. And then they were taped down with medical tape, like around her head. Okay. She had been stabbed in the chest and her uh, throat was slashed. No. And she'd been hit in the side of the head with the butt of a BB gun. Jesus. They were able to match the imprint of it to a Daisy 880 BB gun. So Holy you gotta be hit fucking shit. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This poor woman. Yeah. Oh, she's, that's not over for her. Oh God. So. There's evidence that someone moved her from an indecent position and covered her with a blanket. What? And she had defensive wounds on her arms. So someone was like, oh, she's naked from the waist down. However, that's scandalous. Move her like this. And let me cover her with a blanket. You think it was like the dad who came in later to find everybody? Or you think it was like during this massacre? I think it was like after they killed her. I think the killers moved her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jesus. So why'd they take her pants off then? Right? I don't get it. There's kind of a lot of evidence of torture. Oh, my God. Why? Because people are people? assholes. I know. I don't like it. So John and Dana, the two boys, were mm-hmm. tied together using an electrical cord around their ankles. Oh, God. And then they had their hands, each of them had their hands bound with medical tape. Okay. John had his throat slashed and was found face <gasps> up closest to the door. Ugh. Dana was bludgeoned and had been manually strangled so he had a lot of head wounds he was close by john because they were tied together but he was closer to the couch oh my god it's so creepy that like they probably weren't murdered at the same time so imagine if we were tied up and somebody's fucking slashing your throat and shit that's exactly right that oh my god isn't that fucked up no that's terrible yeah oh no thank you they watched their friend and their mom maybe get fucking heartbreaking yeah dana was also found face down all three of the victims suffered blunt force trauma caused by a hammer oh gross yeah they really went to town yeah it was bad there were pools of blood on the floor and the couch pillow suggesting that the boys had also been moved and staged weird yeah so john was found face up close to the door dana was found face down a little bit inside and then the mom was found on her side by the couch there was blood fucking everywhere yeah it sounds like it especially if they fucking got murdered somewhere else and then they're moving them somewhere else yeah and they're beating them with like a hammer and shit yeah that's awful the blood splatter said that they were killed and all this basically happened in the living room Uh but also there was spots of blood found on the bedding in the shared bedroom of sue and sheila and tina Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it had to be like a loud fucking debacle happening. So those little kids. Yeah. Well, blood was also found on the bottom of Sue's feet. Oh, so she was like moving around after being injured. Or the boys were injured. Yeah. And she was moving around. There's speculation that the mom was the target and the two boys either heard it or something came up from the basement Uh because they were home or they maybe got home and were like, I have to pee before going into the basement. And they intruded on the attack. Yeah. Surprised the attackers. And then if the attackers killed them, there's speculation that the mom was like walked around to show like, look what you made me do to these boys. Uh, what? Like kind of mental torture. Like I had to kill your kid. They walked the mom around. Yeah. Like the killers walked the mom around to be like, 
Oh my god, no. Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? Uh, yes. Very much so. And it makes me fucking pissed. Yeah. I hate people. So, in the investigation, the Seabolts were the neighbors where Sheila was staying. Yeah. The Seabolts and Sheila didn't hear anything. Oh and my god. The cabins are super close together. Yeah. So, for them not to, to be hear loud. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the mom was gagged. The boys weren't. But... Still fucking wrestling around with a goddamn hammer. There had to be a couple thumps and duds around. Yeah. There was a couple that lived close by, like in one of the other cabins, that said they woke up at about 1.30 in the morning and thought they heard muffled screaming. Oh my gosh. But couldn't tell what it was or where it was coming from, so they went back to sleep. Oh my gosh. So Sheila, the daughter that was staying at the neighbor's house, Uh she was talking to police and let them know that Tina's jacket tina's the little girl that's missing yeah tina's jacket and shoes are missing uh-huh. along with a shoe box with tools that were missing so she's like going through the crime scene and being like hey this stuff's out of place by the or, way you're missing this okay so the yeah. jacket and shoes make sense a toolbox of tools how old is sheila 14 okay so i was like i would never notice a box of tools missing <laughs> no but <laughs> there was a hammer used in the attacks that they found on the table uh-huh but police at this point don't know how many suspects they're looking for oh so my god they're thinking there could have been multiple yeah well there's three people dead like one person doing that you need to have some help yeah like if you couldn't get them all tied up yeah. at, at once or whatever and two 15 16 year old boys like yeah that'd be hard to subdue yep along with a mom yep exactly so, probably multiple people yeah, and they're thinking probably multiple hammers which uh, okay. is a toolbox missing yeah it's just yeah i'm just like very proud of that chick for realizing that a box was missing of tools yeah especially in that fucking chaos i'd be like i don't know i don't fucking know at all tv could be gone i wouldn't notice (laughs) yeah so there was also no forced entry but the door was usually left unlocked yeah who knows if that really says anything Uh there was unidentified fingerprint on the railing leading to the back door like outside outside Mm -hmm. oh that's interesting i mean that's kind of sketchy though because it could be anyone right Mm -hmm. if it's like public ish yeah it technically is public it's like a cabin that got rented out yeah but they had been staying there for a couple of months how long do fingerprints stick around i think they stick around for a really long time huh interesting but i don't know that for a fact i'm not a fingerprint forensics doctor you're not (laughs) i wish (laughs) so the phone was also left off the hook and the lights were off and the drapes were closed. Okay. I've heard reports that the phone was also cut, the phone line. Oh, creepy. Yeah. But it was confirmed that it was off the hook. I can't confirm that it was cut. Yeah. Cut makes it creepier, but either way. For sure. One suspect was a man who fled from Ketty, the area, uh-huh. after the murders. He was found in Oregon and they had him do a polygraph test, but he was cleared. Okay, because those are so fucking reliable. Uh, I yeah. know. I know. It's Uh, the 80s. I know. I know. (laughs) Because that comes into play later. Okay. So there's this couple, Marilyn and Marty (laughs) Smart. Entered new couple. (laughs) Entered new couple. Stage left. Marilyn and Marty Smart, they live in one of the other cabins. It's like three cabins or two houses down, three houses down or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. It's Justin Smart's parents, the kid that was there that night. Makes sense. Yeah. Marilyn claimed to have found a bloody jacket belonging to Tina in her basement. (gasps) Stop it. And handed it over to police. Oh, my God. But there's no record of the jacket. Okay. Martin claimed that a claw hammer he owned was missing. Oh, no. 
The sheriff at the time, Doug Thomas, who was in charge of the investigation, said Marty provided endless clues that seemed to throw suspicion away from him. Interesting. Justin Smart, the kid. Yeah. Claimed to have dreamt details of the murder. Oh my God, because he saw him and he didn't dream them and it's all real. Yeah. <laughs> he later changed his story to say that he had witnessed the murders. Oh my God, of course, this poor little kid. While under hypnosis. Okay. Here's what he said. All right, Justin, let's hear it. He said that he heard sounds coming from the living room, like unusual sounds. Yeah, like a murder. While he was, yeah, like a murder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> While he was watching TV with the two other boys, uh -huh. and then he went to go check it out and saw Sue with two men. Okay. And then John and Dana came in and started arguing with the two men, and then they started fighting, like it got violent. Yeah. And then Tina entered the room during the fight and was taken out the back door by one of the men. Oh my God. And then composite sketches were made from Justin's description. Yeah. He said that it was two men wearing jeans and jean jackets. But more importantly, did they have watches? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet their sleeves covered it. <laughs> Most importantly. So they were wearing their fucking Canadian suit? <laughs> they were wearing their Canadian tuxedos. Yeah. <laughs> and they were in their late 20s to early 30s. One with long hair and a mustache and the other with short hair and was clean shaven. Both were wearing <laughs> gold framed glasses. 80s. Yep. One was 5'11 to 6'2 with dark blonde hair, and the other was 5'6 to 5'10 with black greased hair. I would like Jesus, to find they're out. they're like total opposites. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I have no fucking idea how tall anyone is. Like, unless you're standing in front of a measuring chart, I'd be like, that guy's like 6'5, and they're like, I'm 5'9. Even when you're standing in front of a measuring chart, I'm like, mm, I don't get numbers. This is hard. <laughs> how does this work? I know. I'm sure they just like asked him, like, how tall was he? And he's like, mm, he was a little taller than the lady. Yeah, probably. Like, as tall as my dad. He looked exactly like my father. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so there were rumors of drug trafficking. Yeah. But there was no drugs or paraphernalia or anything found in the room. So it probably wasn't that. No, it probably wasn't that. Carla McMullen. Oh, enter Carla. Enter Carla McMullen. She <laughs> was not a family friend, but a family acquaintance. Mm, this bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> told detectives that Dana had recently stolen LSD from local drug dealers. Oh, shit. Okay, so this little... Oh, no. What but, if it's the friend that caused all this? Right? But she couldn't prove that. Okay. Also, I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but Dana lived in a foster home and his foster parents didn't want him out that night with John because they, he, they knew that he hitchhiked and they didn't want him to hitchhike. Oh, well, he was fucking hitchhiking. Yep. Spoiler alert. Yep. Oh my God, those poor parents. Yeah. Like, I fucking told you not to do this shit. And, and now you're dead. Go out with him. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so heartbreaking. So, Tina was still missing. Yeah. The FBI was initially involved, but they backed out because they said that local law enforcement was doing a, quote, adequate job. Crushing it, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You don't need us here. Yeah. They had canines search about a five-mile radius from the home, but they didn't find anything. Okay. On April 22nd, 1984. So, this is... Three years and 11 days later, Jeez. a bottle collector found a <laughs> human skull at Camp 18 in Butte County, California. What? Now, First of all, bottle collector, is that just a homeless dude collecting recyclables? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Okay. <laughs> Glad we cleared that first question up. He might not be homeless. He might just be a guy who likes to recycle. Perhaps. But, but yeah, that's, speaking. he's digging in trash cans. Okay. They found a human skull. 
Yeah, and he found a human skull. Was it in a bottle? <laughs> <laughs> this ain't worth nothing. <laughs> trying to add weight to my cans. Okay, so it was found at Camp 18, which uh-huh. is literally just like a place, what the place is called. It'd be oh, like I thought you were giving California. me like a specific cabin number again. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay. That's, All I, right, Camp 18. <laughs> it's kind of confusing. It's near Keddy in like the grand scheme of things. Oh, okay. But it's an hour and 45 minutes away. Yes, I fucking mapped that shit. Yeah, I would too. All right. Yeah. Okay, but it's like close enough that close enough to drive or whatever yeah yeah so what was found was a skull and various other bones like a mandible a (sighs) child's blanket a blue jacket oh levi's jeans with the pocket cut off like the butt pocket uh weird yeah and trophy ew maybe yeah ew i don't like that nope interesting trophy though (laughs) it's dual purpose (laughs) (laughs) never like what's the (laughs) Was the backside of the jeans still there so it could still be a pocket? <laughs> yeah, I think purse? the backside of the jeans was still there so that it was just the pocket was missing. Okay, that doesn't mean, yeah, yeah, not a versatile use. But you could put it in a scrapbook. Oh, God. If you consider it that way. Yeah. I didn't until My right murder now. in scrapbook. <laughs> yeah, and this is my murder book. And an empty surgical tape dispenser. Oh, were they tied up with surgical tape? They were tied up with medical tape, yeah, mm. which I'm assuming is surgical tape. Which is the same. It's like the white, thing. thick tape. Uh, You've seen movies. Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) (laughs) So then, after announcing the discovery of the bones, there was an anonymous phone call placed to the police. Ooh. Stating that the remains belong to Tina. Oh, interesting. How the fuck do they know these remains belong to Tina? Because they're decomposed as shit. All you find is a skull, and someone's like, that's Tina. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. Especially when you do the voice. (laughs) That's my man voice. And look at my soul. (laughs) So, we don't know how the caller knew it was Tina. But they fucking knew it was Tina. But they knew it was Tina. And so the police are like, that's suspicious as fuck. Let's get to this caller. And then they can't. So, they're like, the caller has something to do with it. Yeah, for fucking sure. Yeah. So, they couldn't trace it or anything? No. Goddamn anonymous tips. Yeah, right? And it was confirmed to be Tina in June of 1984. Oh, damn. So, just two (gasps) months later. That's so sad. She got taken away. Yeah. And then she still died. Yeah. Well, never go to second locations. Uh, I mean, technically it was her first because she was home. Yeah, that's your location. Don't go anywhere else. Don't ever leave your house, people. (laughs) (laughs) I guess what I mean is don't let a person take you to another location. Ugh. So then in 1996, there was a suspect named Robert Joseph Silveria Jr. Uh He was the boxcar killer. I guess he was a serial killer. Oh, shit. Around the same area at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. But they couldn't make a connection. Okay. In 2004, the cabin that the murders were committed in was demolished. Okay. In 2008, there was a documentary on the murders where... Ooh. Yeah. Marilyn Smart gets... All up in it. The lady who found Tina's bloody jacket. Yeah. And the mother of the kid that was there that night. Yeah. She openly suspects her husband, Marty, <gasps> and his friend, John Bo Boobeda. Fucking Bo Boobeda. Bo Boobudu. <laughs> he goes by Bo. <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah. She said that she dropped the pair of them off at a bar. Keddie's back door is what the bar is called. Uh-huh. At around Ew. 11 p.m. And then went home and went to bed. Uh-huh. Some accounts say that the men were wearing three-piece suits. 
<laughs> when they went to this bar. Naturally. Yeah. As one does when they're going to pick up the latest. <laughs> but that would be unusual as fuck in this <laughs> Keddie's back door. Like, that's yeah. what the bar is called, is Keddie's yeah. back door. It's got to be a dive. Yeah, it's a super dive. I saw a picture of the front of it. It's a fucking dive. Were they in their Canadian tuxedos? <laughs> no, they were in their three-piece suits. <laughs> But one reason that they might have done that is to draw attention to themselves. Oh, to be like, look at us. We are here tonight. Yeah, we're here. We're not murdering someone. Oh, that's a lot of planning. Yeah. Could never be a murderer. No. Lazy as fuck. I don't ever want to get dressed in a suit. No. And then a wardrobe change because then they're in Canadian yeah. tuxedos. Yeah, a wardrobe change. Ugh. Sorry, all you Canadian listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at 2 a.m., Marilyn woke up to find the guy's burning an unknown item in the wood stove. She also said that Marty hated John Sharp, the older boy, <gasps> with a passion. Ugh. Why? Was he a jerk? Not that it's okay to murder somebody if you think they're a jerk, but I'm just curious. I didn't see anything that said he was a jerk, but he was a 15-year-old kid. So, so yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He was probably kind I mean, he probably had a hint of asshole in him. <laughs> he didn't deserve to die. No, no. So Sheriff Doug Thomas was also in the documentary and told them that he had interviewed Marty and he passed a polygraph test. Great, mm, right? Mm, yeah, good work. Yeah, so he's cleared. Ah, God damn it. Here's some other information on Marilyn and Marty that's not in that documentary. Uh-huh. After the murders, Marty left Keddy and went to Reno, Nevada. He sent a letter back to Marilyn talking about problems in their marriage and ended it with, quote, I've paid the price of your love, and now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we're through. Great. What else do you want? What the fuck? What the fuck? So she might have been involved in some way? That kind of implies that yeah. like, maybe she had a problem with Sue and... Yeah, like, let me take it. care of this for you. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. That's not what I fucking meant. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my god, shady. There was also... It's not quite speculation. It's a little bit more than speculation. More accounts that sue and marty actually had hooked up oh shit a mistress yeah <gasps> scandalous why would he murder her oh like he didn't want her to say anything mm, i'll get to that okay <laughs> i'll stop speculating for now we're gonna speculate the fuck out of this here in a minute okay so this letter was overlooked in the Ugh. initial investigation and not admitted as evidence. Because oh she turned God. it into the police. Like, <gasps> yo. Uh, the fuck is this shit? Yeah. Which makes me think that she's not involved. Yeah, for sure. But he, he made it sound like... He could have just been vindictive, though. Oh, yep. That's a thing. So Martin Smart died of cancer in 2000. Okay. And Bo died in Chicago in 1988. Damn. Didn't say how he died, but it did say that he was, he knew people in the drug industry, so maybe it was like... He got made dead? Yeah, maybe he got made dead. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Apparently, there was a counselor who Marty was seeing regularly who said that Marty admitted to the murders <gasps> of Sue and Tina. Oh, my God. But claimed to have nothing to do with the boys' murders. What? Yeah. Apparently, he his inflection the whole time was like, that he was talking about it. He was flat. He didn't show any emotion or anything <gasps> until he mentioned Tina. Oh, my God. So he said that Tina had to be killed so that she wouldn't identify him because oh she saw everything. Oh, my God. This poor little girl. Yeah. The counselor said that the motive that he gave her was that Sue was counseling Marilyn to leave Marty. Oh, shit. And Marty believed she was the reason that his wife wanted a divorce. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Goddamn. Apparently, Marty had also borrowed a Daisy 880 BB gun oh. from a friend of his, and it was never returned or huh, found. I wonder why, because it was part of a murder. Yeah. Well, what if his friend was involved, so then he could be saying, like, I didn't kill those boys because his friend killed the boys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. there I'm, could I'm be... I'm keeping up with the story. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> at least two people involved, maybe more people involved. Oh, my God. There's at least more people involved with covering up this whole thing. Holy shit. According to Marilyn, Marty had a bad temper and in one instance had bought items he was going to use to make a bomb to blow up his dad's house after an argument. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the guy was unstable, to say the least. he sounds a little unstable. Yeah. Marty was also supporting the family by selling drugs and manufacturing hashish after losing his job. Oh, man. So just a well-rounded fella. Yeah, maybe not somebody you want for an extra neighbor. No, probably not. Mm-mm. He was known as a player around town and cheated on his wife. And openly cheated on his wife? Or it was like known? I think it was just known. Yeah, known that he cheated on his wife. I don't think he was like, yo, what's up, Marilyn? This is my new bitch. <laughs> this is my side piece. Yeah. One of the alleged women that he cheated with was Sue Sharp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, though, Marilyn was also seeing someone else. So they were just cheating on each other. Oh, shit. Not a healthy marriage. No. In March 2016, so not too long ago, there was a discovery of a hammer in a pond that matched the one that Marty (gasps) claimed to have lost. Oh, he chucked it. Bum, 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 bum. So now Special Investigator Mike Gamberg Uh is on the case. He was 16 at the time of the murders, and he knew the Sharp family. Oh, shit. What a wild turn. Yeah. He said that where the hammer was found, it wasn't accidental like there's no way that that just accidentally got there someone put it there oh really apparently a lady lost a ring in the pond and her hubby came back with a metal detector and found the hammer oh mike criticized the initial investigation like real harsh he talked a lot of shit oh about really it. Mm-hmm. like they just missed a bunch of shit yeah he said when when he took over the investigation there was boxes of evidence that were in disarray and some hadn't been entered into evidence at all <gasps> Oh, crap. And the case history log, like the, oh, this guy was here at that time, whatever, you know, was just missing. Oh, good. There was a bag of evidence that wasn't even opened. What does that mean? Like they collected it from the crime scene and then they never processed it or something? Okay. That's what I gathered. There was some evidence that was stored in a freezer to keep it fresh. Yeah. And the freezer was turned off. Oh, shit. What was it? I don't know. Like bodily fluids? Probably something along those lines, some kind of DNA, but they have DNA later, so I don't know if that was like the only Ew. freezer it was in. That's so weird. And then yeah. it's turned off, and then he found it. Yeah, he it's was like, What the fuck, guys? Stinky? Ew, I don't know. Hopefully I mean, not. Hopefully it was in like sealed, yeah, sealed <laughs> yeah. containers. But like whatever was in it would be dead if it wasn't kept appropriately. Yeah. He said that, quote, the case is as screwed up as a soup sandwich. I what thought the that was funny. It's a soup sandwich. <laughs> it's silly. It's screwy. You don't have one. You can't make one. Oh, okay. I get it. You get it. This is in 2016 he said this, huh? Uh huh. I think I'm going to start saying that. Uh-huh. Well, he might have said it before, but. <laughs> but I mean, it's a recent saying. Yeah. A soup sandwich. So Mike supposedly also found and contacted the person who gave the boys a ride home that night. Uh Uh-huh. Years later, huh? Yeah. She was never contacted initially. So Uh. it was a lady. Okay. But nothing else was said about it. So I'm assuming he was like, nah, she's clear. She didn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. In April 2018. Damn. Yeah. So 
less than a year. Less than a year ago, Mike announced that DNA had been recovered from a piece of medical tape at the scene that matched a living suspect. (gasps) Oh! Bum, 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 what does bum. that mean? There was a third person. Mike believes that there were up to six individuals involved. Oh, with, shit. Yeah, with either the murders or the cover-up or both. Oh, my God. I don't have that many close friends. No, not to commit a murder with. No way. I literally have you, and I'm not sure that you would pan out well in a murder. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you stabbed him. What do you do? <laughs> So, some other fucked up information, and then we can just speculate wildly. Okay. The sheriff at the time, Doug Thomas, was great pals with of Martin course. Smart. Of course. And had lived in Cabin 28 before the Sharps. <gasps> oh, that's shady. He was friends with Marty, <laughs> and they would go out drinking or whatever, get up to nefarious acts, and, <laughs> and he lived next door to him. He could be covering for Marty. Oh, he, fuck yeah, he is. He's the guy that interviewed him and was like, oh, he's cool. He's fine. He did a polygraph test. It's fine. Also, the counselor, speaking of the polygraph test, the counselor asked about the polygraph test, and yeah. Marty was like, oh, I beat it. Those are easy to beat. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's why those aren't reliable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. So, there's discrepancies on whether the boys came home during the murder of the mom yeah and like got attacked then or like tried to save their mom and were like or not their mom john's mom and dana's friend's mom yeah tried to save her and then got attacked or if they were home and heard a sound and went up or if they were just hanging out in there because like maybe they had to pee before they were gonna go to bed or something yeah yeah i don't know about six people though that seems like quite a ruckus that seems like a lot lot of people Yes, a lot of people to keep quiet for that long too yeah but also three people to get them subdued and quiet like you need more than one person you would think yeah i'm cool with three obviously because they have a third person's evidence or yeah. dna or something yeah even maybe two and his friend wasn't involved Bo. yeah yeah fucking Bo. yeah because there's not really direct evidence that links Bo, other than like that was marty's drinking buddy and like they the they were seen together that night at the bar and stuff yeah oh my god that's so crazy so it's interesting though that like the wife Mm -hmm. she was like yo you need to be looking into him but maybe like it almost seemed she wasn't aggressive enough or i guess that's not really her fault right because the sheriff was buddy buddies with him but Mm -hmm. maybe she was also afraid of him too like i'm not gonna come out and say it straight up this guy did it yeah but i want you to look because it looks shady it was definitely an abusive relationship yeah so she could have been like afraid of him yeah that's awful but he left shortly after the murders like he was quote, yeah. cleared and allowed to leave the state weird oh my god what how did he like kill the little girl i don't think we know oh my gosh i hope that it wasn't like torturous or anything i hope that as well oh, if God. it was marty and the counselor and everything that he told them was correct then or truthful yeah then he didn't want to kill tina yeah oh so, God, that's so fucked up hopefully it would be quick i guess oh my god that's so fucked up god damn yeah god damn i had oh, also heard shit. that that marilyn the wife of marty was kind of a crazy person oh oh really yeah so uh, i don't know how believable or how much stock you can put into all of that oh my god i really want to watch this documentary now what's it called do you know i should know Mm. i don't know i think it's just called the ketty cabin murders okay yeah i think it's on youtube too i didn't get a chance to watch it because i researched late (laughs) (laughs) but yeah 
I listened to some podcasts on it, too. There's a really good one that was done by Generation Y, and mm-hmm. I realize that it's kind of a big case, and so a lot of other people have done it and covered it yeah. probably better than me, but whatever. I figured that you hadn't heard it, so I was like, ah, tell her this one. I hadn't heard it, and I like the way you told it. Good. I appreciate <laughs> you, motherfucker. I appreciate you, too. Well, goddamn, that's a good one. Well, goddamn. All right. Let's talk about how we now have merchandise. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. And me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. We didn't have any singing in this episode until oh. right now. Oh. <laughs> Fix that shit. Yeah. But to get back onto topic, we've got merch, what, what, bitches. What, what, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Me too. You ordered us t-shirts and I cannot wait to fucking wear them. Me also, tambien. As well. As well. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. I don't know where I'm going to wear it, other than in public with people that I don't know. Yep. Because I don't want anyone in my life to know. <laughs> so many people know that I have a podcast. So many people in your life know that we have a podcast, and you probably don't know that they know. <laughs> I don't know that anyone knows. <laughs> I haven't told, like, anyone about it. I mean, people at... There's, like, two people at work that know. I think that is that is a fact. There are two people at work that know. No oh, a lot knows. of people at my work know, uh-huh. which I was like... People shouldn't know at work, and I'm fucking a loud mouth. I'm like, nah, I'm a podcast. Or it's like they talk about murder once, and I'm like, do you like murder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you say murder? <laughs> but I'm not like trying to peddle it to them. Yeah, it just like comes up in conversation. Like, oh yeah, yeah this is a thing that I do. I had to tell Alexis because we always used to listen to murder stuff. Together. Yeah, she needed to know. Yeah, and now she's like our number one fan. Her Ooh. and Lauren. Yeah, love what's it. up, girls? What's up, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Darcy started listening today. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. She was like, so what's your podcast about? And I was like, murder! (laughs) In all caps. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Okay, so where can these lovely people of ours find our merchandise? They can find it at isgdpodcast.threadless.com. Beautiful. I feel like I was listening to somebody read a book. I missed my calling as a voice actor. Yes, you were speaking very softly. You're welcome. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) (laughs) That's as sexy as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yay for merchandise and sexy voice. Yay. So our next accomplishment slash goal is to try to get Patreon figured out. Yeah, that sounds harder. Yeah, we're going to try because we have to, like, give additional content. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 we got some awesome fucking iTunes reviews again. Well, what? Yeah. We did? Yes, people, rate and review us. Yes, please. We love it. We check it fucking religiously. That's true. Mm-hmm. And then tell all your friends about us. <gasps> and your enemies. What? There's another one. <gasps> right now? In real time. IRL? IRL. This is what we get all fucking pumped about. <laughs> What is it? Read it to me. <gasps> Dramatic reading. Go. Okay, ready. Title. Funny ladies! Exclamation <gasps> mark. That's us. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. These two ladies have a funny and awesome friendship. Aww. I and their cases too. are fucked up. It's spelled just like that. <laughs> Actually, it's more like fuck. Oh yeah. I can I can hear it. And that's from K Dev. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Thanks, K Dev. <laughs> Is there an F at the end? You... Yeah, yeah. Jesus. You guys are fucking amazing. Seriously, this is what we do. This is why you need to send us more because yeah. we do this shit. We get so IRL. excited. Okay, and then, oh, and then Breecast also sent us one, and it was so fucking awesome. That's so, I, I read hers. That one was so sweet. I know. I love it. You guys are so awesome. <laughs> Thank and then we you got so one much, from Candyman. Oh, Candyman. Candyman. 
He found us through Sitcomedon. <gasps> really? We did a promo swap with him. Yeah. That's legit. So that shit fucking works. Promo swaps work. Apparently. Okay, so we got a Twitter shout out from Katie Sigward, and she found us on another promo swap from Wine and Crime. Katie Squidward? <laughs> Sigward. Sigward. All right. <laughs> from Wine and Crime? Yes. I love awesome? them. That's I'm awesome. A- and Katie has a fucking awesome ass wife who also appreciates Red Dead Aaron. Oh, yeah. That's my kind of lady. So we got some fucking amazing ass listeners. Yeah, we do. You guys are the best. Yes. Around. And we say that. But we fucking mean it. Yeah. Just so you know. She just gave me crazy eyes. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> did. I'll relax. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Getting a little weird over here. You guys are awesome, and we appreciate you, motherfuckers, so hard. And Hell yeah. Keep listening, and rate and review us, and tell your friends, and tell your enemies. And send us emails. Send us emails at isgdpodcast at gmail.com. Send us fucking letters. At P.O. Box. 2764 Spring Valley, California, 91979. Because we want to talk to you. Yeah, Even if you have nothing to say, mm-hmm. you don't need anything said on the podcast or anything like that. If you just want to be like, yo, what's up? How's your day going? We'll fucking talk to you. Dude. We love you guys. Pen pal me. I will respond. Oh, I will longhand yeah. letter you some shit. Aaron has some beautiful handwriting. It's pretty all right. I've been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> also, check out our website, isgdpodcast.com. Dot com to see like pictures of the shit that we're talking about. We put a couple pictures of each. Yeah, Stacy works up. hard on that. So hard, and also we're gonna link our merchandise there. That's something oh, we yeah. have to do. Yeah, and the PO box is on there in case I say it too fast, and you remember that you want to send me letters. And you're driving because let's face it, we're probably all driving. <laughs> yep, that's what I do when I podcast. <laughs> me too. Actually, I listen in the shower too. Is that weird? Uh, nope, I do it too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It, like, echoes. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're there. If you don't do that, try it. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Also, tweet at us at ISGD Podcast. And yep. we're on Facebook at ISGD Podcast. And we will fucking retweet and talk to your ass. Yeah. We need validation in our lives. Constantly. So. Constant validation. hmm Help us out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Another episode in the books deuces bye and if you're all caught up on our podcast stay tuned for this promo from brew crime this is brew crime a craft beer and true crime podcast i'm mike and i am beck and we are your hosts On Brew Crime, we each take a true crime story and we pair it with a craft beer. You can find our show on your favorite podcast apps. If you can't find it, contact us and we'll try to change that. We can be found at www.brewcrime.com or on Twitter at Brew Crime and also on all the social media platforms for Pacific Beer Chat at Pacific Beer Chat. We can also be found at brewcrime at pacificbeerchat.com Join us as we discuss depraved killers, stupid criminals, and likely some completely unrelated tangents. Cheers. Cheers.